and welcome to the Path to Redemption, a podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and also in Scripture. I hope that you've had a chance to go back and listen to quite a few of these particular episodes in terms of going through the law and into grace. And we are going to wrap up that series today, and we're going to talk about moving past the law into grace. We understood how Jesus Christ was our high priest and how he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek from last week. But we're going to talk about leaving the law behind today and how do we move forward in grace. And it's going to wrap up kind of our foundational teaching season. So this will be the end of season one, and I'll be off for a couple of weeks, and then we'll come back for season two, where we're going to dive deeper into grace. We're going to talk about the iniquity, and we're going to talk about aspects of self and different parts of that, and how to become into the fullness and into the measure of Jesus Christ. But all of that is for season two. So Again, just a couple of housekeeping items here. All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. Again, if you need a New King James Version, feel free to shoot me an email at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. And also, don't take my word for it. I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure that you're reading the scripture yourself, seeking out what he has for you in your own life. And But if you do need help or you do need additional explanation, please feel free to drop me an email at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. Again, I am here to help and more than happy to help. So with that, let's go ahead and let's jump into into our base scripture here for tonight's lesson. And that's going to come from Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. So in this, Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well. Who did hinder you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, you have been called to liberty only. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. So Paul here is pretty clear on what he's talking about here in the law. Going back up to the to the first little bit here, he says we are not to be yoked about with bondage. Again, that means to be pushed back underneath the law, which is the yoke of bondage. We have been set free in Jesus Christ. Understanding that then, Paul goes on and says, you know, 
If any man be circumcised, he is a debtor to the whole law. Now, circumcision was the sign of being Jewish. It means that you were part and parcel of the people, of the Jewish people, and that you were ultimately part of the whole law. Understanding that then, in verse 4, he says, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. So I'm actually going to read this from the King James Version, which has a little bit of a different language, where it says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And that's what we're really going to kind of talk about here, is that the law and grace are the equivalent to oil and water. They do not mix between each other. And that's what Paul talks about. And even if you go down in here into verse 7 through 9, it says, you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of law, a little bit of sprinkling of it will actually ruin everything that is tr- that you're trying to accomplish in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, again, we've talked about the difference between the law and grace before, but remember, the law is ordinances, a list of do's and don'ts, a list of things. There's 613 of them, according to Jewish tradition, some affirmative where you have to do something, some negative where you have to abstain from something. But in grace, you have Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ who governs your actions and everything you do is according to that relationship. So understanding that there can be no mixture of the law and grace. When we move into grace, our consciousness, our sin consciousness, which comes from the law, must be purged. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 says this, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So the Father says that he will write in, write his law into our hearts, into our minds, and that, that it will, will write it into our hearts, and that he will become to us a God and we to him a people, and he will remember our sins no more. So then why do we consciously bring up our own sins from a form of sin consciousness? Paul puts it a little differently in the book of Romans. Romans 8 verses 1 through 5 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who 
do not walk according to the flesh, but after the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So we have to understand then that if the law has been purged through the sacrifice of Christ, that we also must purge our sin consciousness through the sacrifice of Christ and focus on his relationship, on our relationship with God through him, and allow him to justify our our actions. One of the things that Paul talks about in, in the book of Romans is that if you have a, a brother who abstains from meat, he is weak in understanding that because all things are are lawful, but not all things are expedient. He can eat meat, but if your brother doesn't eat meat, don't eat meat in front of him as to tempt him and, and make a stumbling block before him. This is similar to grace. Everyone's relationship is governed by their relationship in Jesus Christ. Now, I've shared my testimony before about alcoholism and those things. If I were to go and have a drink of alcohol right now, that would not be that would be wrong because I would basically be throwing it up in Christ's face and it would not do be a good thing for our relationship. But if someone else who doesn't have that experience, but rather is perfectly content in their relationship, goes out and has a beer or a glass of wine, there is nothing scripturally wrong with that. And there is nothing wrong wrong with having it in temperance and having a glass or two. But understanding that that my relationship is different, I can't go to that route versus what that other person may have in their relationship. And there may be other things that might be okay for me that aren't necessarily okay for that person. And the reason being is because each person's temptation is different. Each person's flesh is different. And it's important for us to understand that we are all on this journey of grace as our flesh begin, continues to die and continues to be crucified with him. And we'll talk about that in the next season when we really start talking and diving into iniquity. But I want to, to go back to Acts chapter 15 here, and I really want to talk about how the the apostles regarded the look of the law and grace. So starting in, in Acts chapter 15 in verse 5, it says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Peter is basically saying, why wrap us back up in the law when none of us were able to fulfill the law to begin with? So going on in verse 11, he goes on and says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after that, they had become silent. James answered saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, 
who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has, as had throughout many generations, those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. And then it was good to them. It was good to the rest of the apostles. So what you see here is that is that we are not to be yoked again underneath the law. We are not to be put underneath the Ten Commandments again because we have the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. So here, Paul especially took a particular issue with this particular subject. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 6 through 18, the Bible says this, it says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of the condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what Paul is saying there is that even when Moses is read today, it's time for that law to pass away. They have the veil over their face, meaning they cannot see through Jesus Christ, and they cannot see Jesus Christ. But see, we will all understand that when we come to the Lord, the veil is removed, and we can then walk into grace. So understanding that, that it is time for the Old Testament, for the law to be to go away, and for us to walk into the fullness of grace. He repeats some of this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 17, where he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus 
You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So understanding that that Christ nailed the the law to the tree that was the that was the cross. It was nailed to the cross. He fulfilled it just as we talked about last time when as our high priest he took us on his chest, he bore us on his shoulders, took the judgment and ultimately so that we could walk through him into the Father and that we could walk into the fullness of the grace. If you're going to live justified by the law, you are putting Christ on the cross, but I got news for you, Christ isn't on the cross anymore. He is off the cross and he he has been resurrected by the Holy Spirit, to, and he is at the right hand of the Father right now, awaiting until his enemies be made its foot, his footstool. So understanding that, it's time for us to move past that. It's time for us to move past the law, and as we've passed through the law into, a, into grace, a new covenant is established. So if you look at this, Romans 3, 9 through 20 says this, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So we understand that the law has made everyone guilty, okay? But Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says this, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? 
Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So understanding that, we understand that the law then is really established by Christ and by his work, but rather the law is established. So understanding that Christ bears it, Christ establishes the law and does the things that he needs to do in order to be our mediator and to walk us through the law and to his grace. But as Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter nine, verses six through 13, the scripture says, now when these things had thus been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services, but into the second part, the high priest went alone one Once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for the puring of the flesh... How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So we understand then that everyone is made guilty in the law. We understand that Christ then establishes the law through his life and through his sacrifice so that we all may move into a new covenant. And that's the point. We walk into a new covenant. The old one passes away. The old one has nothing to do with it. We forget it and then begin to move into it. So what does Jesus say about this even while he's on this earth? Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 through 40 says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So understanding that the fullness of the law is wrapped up into two commandments, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. The the gracious the great the covenant of grace is established in the love that the Father had for us by giving his son that he would die on the cross in our stead. Amen. So that establishes the law and makes the law known and it makes the law fulfilled that we may walk past it and into the fullness of grace. So we have to understand then, like going back to Galatians chapter five and verse one, that we are not to be yoked again back with the bondage of the law. We have, if we say, if you've become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again that every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to the whole law. 
all 613. If you're going to be justified by your actions and you think that you can live a, a, a good life and, and you can follow the Ten Commandments and you can do all these things in the law, then you better get some bulls, you better get some goats, you better get some turtle doves, you better build yourself an altar and start sacrificing. Because that's not the way that it works. We are now justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that does not mean that we should give our members over to to our lust of our flesh and over to ourselves. That's not what that means. But it does mean that we are governed by our relationship here. And that's what's most important. Because if we understand that we are, are governed by our relationship, then what we can truly come to is is an understanding that Christ and, and trust between Christ and us, between the Holy Spirit and us, and between the Father and us. But it all starts by understanding that you cannot be yoked back into the law. The law is oil and water. Now, the law makes everyone guilty. We all have to be guilty. Then the law is established through Jesus Christ. You have to pass through Christ through the redemption to enter into grace. So understanding all of that, we can walk into the fullness of grace, into the newness of the covenant, into a new walk and be a new creature in Christ. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the coming weeks as we talk about iniquity, uh, the death of self, the, the, uh, the being crucified with Christ. As we talk and go deeper into grace and how God deals with us and how God deals with us in in the current covenant. But again, just because you're under grace doesn't mean you get to go do whatever you want. You subject yourself to the will of God. You say, God, whatever you're not my will, but your will be done. And you move forward in your relationship. Amen. Look, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you enjoy this. I hope that you've enjoyed the first season of the Pastor Redemption, the podcast. Um, I really hope that you've enjoyed walking through the law and into grace with us and really understanding what what God has in the different covenants. I'm a dispensationalist. I truly believe that God deals with people, deals with mankind differently in each dispensation. But we have to walk through the law and we have to be made guilty before we can come to the justification of Christ and before the law is established in Christ that we may enter into his grace. Amen. But remember, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the same shall be saved, as it says in Romans 10.10. So um, the last song of the week for season one is going to be by Israel Houghton and the New Breed, and it is a song called You Are Good. Um, I love this song. It's it's a great praise song. Um, it's just, just check it out. Israel Houghton and the New Breed, You Are Good. But again, this is the end of season one. This is the end of kind of the foundational teachings here that we've kind of gotten into. We're going to go deeper into God, deeper into Christ, uh, deeper into the Holy Spirit when we start back up in season two here in a couple weeks. And we're really going to start looking at iniquity. We're going to start looking at aspects of self. We're going to understand what it is to be crucified with Christ. We're going to start talking about the kingdom of God, or the, in the, particularly the kingdom of heaven and what that means and what that means for the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to go into a whole host of other topics, and but it's going to be important because you have to have all of this teaching from the first 26 episodes of this really to be able to walk into that. So, so in a couple of weeks, we'll return with season two where we'll talk about iniquity. Um, but until then, look, spend some time with the Lord. And again, if you have any questions, shoot me an email, uh, pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. But just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.